bitch, I'm dead fresh. I might pull up in a casket. Hey, come on, like bro. Fruit basket. Spit a couple raps. I get a check of Johnny Cash. Should I smash it? I love you more. Remember, guys, don't take us too seriously. We're just some bros being dudes talking sports. Presented by the Wolfpack Productions and the presenting sponsor, the Townsend Bar and Grill. Your one-stop shop for great food, great prices, and great times all the time. One. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Bros Being Dudes Talking Sports. We have an exciting episode for you guys, as always. There has actually been quite a bit of breaking news since we talked last on Monday night. Um, we're going to preview the whole weekend. We'll talk about the few days that have transpired since we last got together. Uh, we obviously have a big pay-per-view coming up this weekend, McGregor and Poirier. I think it's going to be a beautiful fight. We'll touch on that a little bit conference championship sunday we'll obviously talk about um and then obviously some some more breaking news around the sports world so let's just jump right into it a uh, couple minor signings we need to talk about in the mlb um the astro sign outfielder uh michael brantley to a two-year 36 million dollar deal um not really the best hitter he's more of a contact guy he does have a high contact rate so it makes a lot of sense. They'll get a, a nice little bat towards the end of that lineup uh, to solidify their outfield now. Uh, I don't hate the signing. A little bit expensive for my taste for who he is. But, you know, whatever. The Strohs needed some depth, and depth is what they got. Um, speaking of depth, uh, the Twins signed J.A. Happ to a one-year deal to kind of solidify that rotation. Uh, the Twins are always going to be that team that they'll compete for a playoff spot. You don't really expect them to compete for a World Series title. Uh, and this move does that does the the exact same thing for that roster that they've always been, and that is exactly that. They will compete for a wild card spot next year. Nothing more, nothing less. Your average run of the mill. Uh, playoff contender. Jay Happ is one of the more overrated players. I don't just say that because I have malice in my heart um, for his time in New York. That was wildly underwhelming. Um, but, you know, for for what they are, the signing makes a lot of sense, and that's actually that's what J.A. Happ is. He's he's average. Like a, this is an average guy going to an average team. It's not really eye dropping. So or eye popping. Excuse me. Um, what was eye popping though? GTD. Kyrie drops 37 in his return to the Nets starting lineup. Now, he drops 37, and the Nets in the big three debut still lose. I mean, that's insane to me. How is that possible? And not only did they lose, they lost to Cleveland. <laughs> and, I mean, yeah, and I seen that I seen that picture of uh, Kyrie holding his middle finger up by pointing at it to him. It was... That's just he's funny. Just, that, that's just comedy, actually. He's just such, like, the, that's part of the reason why people hate the NBA, right? Because it's just it's such a me-guy league. Very few people prioritize winning more than, like, giving themselves the spotlight, right? And I think it's very interesting that, like, one, objectively, Kyrie is the third best player on that team now. And he led the league in shot attempts. Like, for that night, led the league. That's insane to me. That that cannot that that cannot happen. Was uh so all three of them were playing though. All three of them played, yeah, and they lost. So part of the reason I'm and I'm not giving Sexton enough credit. Um, Colin Sexton did drop the final uh, twenty two points for the Cavaliers. So I mean, 
Wow, point out like he, a LeBron stunt. Was, um, he absolutely a Cleveland LeBron stunt. Yeah, he absolutely dominated the Nets down the stretch. One to force overtime, uh, or to force a second overtime, excuse me, and then in the second overtime, he just kept it going and, and absolutely just dominated the Nets. So credit to him, but I not not to be like disrespectful or anything. This is way more to do with the fact that the Nets could not beat a bad Cavs team with three of the top ten players in the league. Like this, that how? Yeah, I dude, I think it just goes to show you, like super super stardom does not like convert to wins all the time. Like it's not always in the win column. I don't think on paper it might be. But in reality, it's just not. Like, in basketball, I've always said it's one of those games to where you can have one star and a couple role players and actually have a pretty decent team. Go out and win some games you're not supposed to. Um, and so when you think, oh, they got three superstars, like, they should not lose the teams of that caliber. you got to look at who you're, who you're talking about. You're talking about Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and Kevin Durant. Two of which I would consider to be the biggest ball hogs and and prima donnas in the whole league. Like, that's just me. Yeah, uh, that's fair for sure. I think KD is just KD. Like to me, KD needs to have the ball in his hands every single position, looking to score. Flat out, that's my game plan. Literally, do not like KD. You better look at the basket. Now, outside of that, I really do. I think Harden and. Uh, and Irving are kind of those flashy prima donna players like you were referring to a while ago, like put me first. And I think that's going to cause some problems. Um, whether that's what happened last night or not, I don't know. I'm just telling you later down the stretch, I think it's going to cause problems. Yeah. And you know how they have been relationship-wise already to this point. Yeah. Uh, as much talent on that basketball team, um, whether the chemistry develops or not, I'm not so certain it does. Yeah, and I do. I feel bad for the listeners because it does seem like every time that we get on here, we're we're strictly talking about the Nets. Well, they're the most polarizing team in the NBA right now. I mean, it just just it is what it is. They are must watch TV because one, they have more talent than anyone in the league by a decent margin, and the only team that's really close you could make a, a small case for is the Lakers, just because not only do they have two top five players in the league currently, their role players are pretty dang on good too. Like they're they got some some studs on their bench as well. So that's the only team that's even close, but. Not to mention, so take talent aside, there it's just a soap opera. I mean, that mm -hmm. is it is literally the days of our nets, like not the days of <laughs> our lives, literally the days of our nets. It's it's literally so crazy to me. Um, I I think at some point something's got to give, right? I I think potentially Kyrie is going to get moved before the trade deadline. I, I said that when this deal first came on, as I think that this hardened uh, trade was strictly for insurance to have another superstar with KD because if you if you look KD got out of OKC because he did not want to play with someone like Russell Westbrook now I, I disagree with him there I think Russell Westbrook is one of the best like competitive minds in the league at least competitive wise now he may ball hog a little bit but that's he thinks he gives himself the best chance at winning but he does not want to play with a, another guy that has the ball in his possession that much. Like even when he went to golden state, Curry didn't do that. Curry said Curry basically took a back seat to KD and was like, look, we're the best team in the league. If you have to be the one that scores the most, 
do uh, it. That's, that's also why they were they won what three championships while he was there. I don't think that's why. It's part of the reason why. Because I mean, if you take Durant off of that team, I think that Warriors team still wins titles. Like, well, yeah, I'm just talking about the mentality though. Like, even well, that, yeah, it, that's why. Because Curry, Curry, Clay, Draymond, like, yeah, say what like, you will about them, they just want to win. As big as big of a freaking moron as Draymond is, like. It's undeniable that he just wants to win. It don't matter if he puts up zero points, 30 points. Yeah. Whatever they need him to do, he's willing to do it. And I think that's just part of the mentality that even at the highest level of basketball, and it be any sport that you want to name, that mentality will always will always rise to the top. And, of course, talent dictates a part in that. It, but it, it's just – it is what it is. Fundamentals do not change. The mentality – that mentality is what is what thrives. Right. Um, let's, let's move on. So we still have one more topic to talk about in the NBA. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. looks to come back uh, from uh, an injury. Is it too soon to start throwing around the B word for him, throwing around the little bust word for Michael Porter Jr.? Now, when he was a senior in high school, he was projected to be number one overall pick the following year, no doubt about it. Well, then he went to Missouri, got hurt. Missed his whole rookie season also being hurt. Missed much of last season for being hurt. And now he's hurt again. So is it – and I'm not one to put this lightly on somebody. That's why I want to open it up to discussion. Is it fair to call him a bust strictly based on health? No, uh, no, man. Like, for me, I always kind of was like – all right, so the NBA, I think, dressed – Purely off of potential. Like, right. I just think, you know, having two draft picks in a year, you draft solely off potential. What can we do with this player even three and four years down the road? Right. So he's not there yet. And I think, I don't think you can. I don't think you can label him a bus because I think going into it, they knew that the injury concerns were going to be there for a while, yeah. actually. Um, but I think their longer thought process was hey, we spend this pick now. We have him, if we need him, in four or five years. He matures. We get him rehabbed. We get him, you know, we get his body right. Get him to our team doctors and trainers and uh, of that sort. So, I just think modern day with any sport, when a rookie comes in, especially a high draft pick rookie, it's the mentality around the leagues are perform now or we're done with you. And I I just don't agree with it. I think the ones that do perform now, are just your anomalies. Like you're talking, that is your right. right. That that's your people. That's just your generational talents. Yeah, they're a different breed. Dude. Yeah. And well, because even and maybe not even generational talents, because some people do have to develop. Still, like if you look at Peyton, Peyton was not phenomenal his rookie season. Led the mm-hmm. league in interceptions, and then he he comes back obviously two years later and and, and wins an MVP. You know, so. I definitely agree that there is some developing that needs to be done with him. And he's still he's still a kid. I mean, I'm pretty sure he's younger than both of us. And we're talking about, I mean, this man's been in the league. This is second or third year now. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's insane. Um, but, yeah, I, I just thought it was interesting because, you know, people do throw out the B word for people because it's really for people who just can't play. And whether you can't play because of talent or you can't play because of injuries, that doesn't matter. So, I don't necessarily think he's there yet because there is some developing that needs to take place. 
But I think in a couple years, if he's not played a full season, it's going to start to be labeled as a bust. And then also, not not to get too long-winded before we move on, I do think if the Nuggets can get him back and get him healthy to actually play, they become very scary in the West because the amount of talent that they have on that team when he's healthy is undeniable. That oh, team yeah. definitely be back in the conference finals this year, in my opinion. I think, I think they're pretty scary. Same with Phoenix, though. I think Phoenix is extra scary. Because, one, you, now you have the veteran leadership to go with your superstar and Devin Booker. And DeAndre Ayton is one of the best big men in the league. I mean, if you have those three things, leadership, a superstar, and a good big man, or a big man, I mean, that's that's a winning recipe in the NBA. Mm-hmm. But um, All right, let's move on a l- for just a second. There's some college football news that we need to talk about. So Notre Dame actually just today, not 20 minutes before we sat down to record, the University of Notre Dame, the Fighting Irish, were placed on probation uh, for recruiting violations. So apparently, this happened sometime last year. They went off campus on a violation or on a uh, prohibited day. Um, so now they face a one-year uh, probation by the NCAA. There are some some really obscure recruiting violation or recruiting oh, penalties th- that they have to take. It's not a bull ban. No, I thought you were. I thought you were going to tell me uh, they were giving out cash and. Wendy's bags or something. <laughs> I mean that that would be uh, that would be the flavor of the month. Yeah, I mean it's it's basically that's it's hot right now. It's trendy. No, they basically they went off campus on a day they weren't allowed to visit anywhere and met with recruits like unofficially, which is super illegal. So I think they had like a fifty thousand dollar fine or something, and then had to uh, they lost one scholarship, like uh, seven days of unofficial visit days. Uh, and then four unoffic or four official visits that they <clears throat> so it's Dude, like uh, this is I'll, the biggest slap on the wrist of all time. I yeah, mean, well, not a thing. And, and if you're Notre Dame, you're taking you're assuming all that risk for what to get shit kicked in the uh, the semifinal game. Right, <laughs> yeah, it's just it's a joke. Plus, I mean, the one thing about Notre Dame too is like it's not like Tennessee where. Tennessee does not have the highest academic standards. Notre Dame does. So you're what are you doing paying these people? If they can get into Notre Dame, a lot of the people are not going to end up going to the league anyway. So like you're going to go to the more academically prestigious spot. Most people would anyway. Like Notre Dame is one of the, the places that just recruits itself. Okay. Because if like you're not going to compete for the top overall prospect, but like you should get anywhere from seven to 10 top 300 recruits every single year, no matter who your head coach is, no matter what you're offering them. Like that is an institution that recruits itself. I mean, there's this period. Um, But anyway, one more piece. So actually you brought up Tennessee with the McDonald's bags. Um, They actually hired former UCF, uh, athletic director Danny White to replace Phil Fuller, uh, Fulmer, excuse me. Uh, honestly, I like the hire here. Makes a lot of sense. He had some success at UCF, uh, not just in football, but in basketball too. They made the tournament a couple times. Uh, and Tennessee is now a basketball school, so, you know, good for them. Uh, this is this is a sticky job. I am surprised that he wanted it strictly due to he's one of the most sought-after athletic directors in the country. The fact that he took this job with all of the uncertainty facing that Tennessee program right now, not not even just for football. They're about to be on probation for football. 
they still have some of the probation left from when Bruce Pearl was there for basketball. So, like, yeah. there's just a lot of uncertainty following following the uh, the whole Tennessee athletic department right now. So, um, great hire, but doesn't make a lot of sense from his standpoint. Um, speaking of college basketball, though, um, they did announce today. Again, we had a lot of breaking news come over today. So, I'm super excited that we got to record today. Um the tournament will actually start on March 18th with the first four of the play-in games. Uh, so, yeah, that'll start the day after St. Patty's. So most people will be uh, nursing a bit of a hangover. Perfect hangover cure. You get to watch a little college basketball. Uh, that'll be great. Uh, and then another just real small piece of news. Um, it's actually, I think it just came out yesterday. Um, the uh, court ruling favors Zion Williamson um, in his uh, – the Duke allegations that were against him, more recruiting mm-hmm. violations that were brought up. So actually, they won their court battle. So now he has been proven innocent of the whole thing. Um, basically, exonerates Coach K of any wrongdoing do- as well. So Duke gets off scot free again. Are you surprised that Duke was found not guilty of these? No. I mean, no. I mean, that's exactly no. Mm. Anyone else? If it was anyone else but UK, Duke. Kansas, and that's North it. Carolina. I, I thought I said UNC, but yeah. UNC, UK, Kansas, and Duke. If it's that, if it's those four, the NCAA just does that. Right there. Just wipe their hands clean. They don't care. And what's crazy is, of those teams, Kansas is the only one that has a chance to win this year. Well, that's All what the I'm saying. The other ones keep, keep it up. The NCAA is just going to be hell with them. We're going to throw them under the bus whenever we get a chance next. Teach their ass. It honestly wouldn't surprise me. I think that's happening sooner rather than later, actually, because there was an article that came out yesterday that said, uh, who will be the successor successors, excuse me, uh, to Bayheim, Coach K, and Roy Williams. Obviously, Bayheim is not a scumbag like the other two, but you know, it, it, I think it is coming that the NCAA is gonna wipe their hands of these troublesome programs because I think they're going to wipe their hands of the one and done rule. Like I think here in the next couple of years, you're going to look and see that college basketball needs some saving. And one way to save it is if you come to college, you are here for three years minimum, three years. That's it. You either go straight out of high school or you come in college, you stay until you're a junior. And that's, that's your only option. I don't know how I feel about that though. I think it makes too much sense to not do it. For the league, it does. Like for college basketball, it does. But at the end of you know, at the end of the day, I'm kind of like to hell with college basketball. Promote like I'm for the athlete themselves. Like you know what I mean? I just think like it's stupid to force them to go. I, I would at least put on a two year. Like you can leave after your sophomore season. But I think it's stupid to have the one and done, like force them to go to school because it's it's essentially not to get like all old school, but it's it's like making a mockery of college basketball. Like college basketball is no longer a sport. It is an NBA developmental league mm-hmm. for the most part. Yeah. And that's that's it. I mean, that's all it is. Like if you don't want to do that, you don't think you're good enough to go right to the NBA, then then sign up and play in the G League and develop through their farm system. Don't waste institutional money that can be used for people who actually care about the institution and the sports program together just so you can use it as a springboard for, A, media involvement. Like, 
this does this makes me sound so old because I am all about athletes' rights. I get it, but at some point, you're doing more harm to yourself than good. Pretending to go to school just to use them for for like uh, engagements. Like, because all these kids, like, if you look, yeah, Cal has had how many first round draft picks, but how many are good? Jamal Murray, AD, Carl Anthony Towns, Julius Randle now. I mean, that's pretty good law, honestly. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, it is. But who else? Like, there are, there are one and dones from other schools that have not done anything. Not a single thing. Like, yeah. Andrew, Andrew Wiggins, garbage. Uh, who's that kid, Anthony Bennett? garbage like there's just a bunch there's the the list goes on and on about how how stupid it is and now you're looking at people who actually go to college and develop because they're taking time and perfecting their craft perfect example clay thompson Kawhi leonard they both went to college took the time to actually develop and came to the league better for it could you imagine if they went after one year and just just finished Oh, well, yeah, it definitely puts a hindrance on some people. But I, I kind of, I mean, at one point, man, I'm kind of like, you know, if they want to leave and go, they can leave and go. Like, no one stops students from, like, regular old students from dropping out after a year if they don't want to go anymore. You know what I mean? I mean, that's fair. But my point is, okay, my point necessarily should not have been to make them stay for three years. It should have been. Take away one and done, period. That way, the kids who are good enough to go and just get drafted, then let them get drafted. And then the kids who I think, need college. I, I think that's kind of where – I think college basketball is going to have to kind of rely on the NBA to help them do that, though. Uh, like, I think college basketball would have, have to have the NBA put a rule uh, put a rule in place to kind of prohibit – like, it's illegal to draft a one-year – player out of college like if they like you the nba will not allow people with just one year of college under their belt to be eligible for the draft like i think that is what would have to happen i think the nba would have to would have to actually put that in and college would be the benefit the beneficiary of it yeah basically like the nfl's like three years removed from high school rule yeah i mean yeah it makes a lot of sense i i Something has to happen because college basketball, as it currently is, cannot exist anymore. It's not going to. If viewership is down this year for college basketball, higher than any other year previously. Like, ratings are terrible. So, something's got to give. Real quick, let's touch on some uh, NHL news. So, the Capitals lose three key players, including Ovechkin, uh, to COVID for, for at least three games. They'll be retested. They might be available to come back next week. Uh, obviously, uh, depending on a negative COVID test, excuse me. Um, another thing that we need to talk about is actually kind of hit hits close to home as a Rangers fan. Panarin uh, vocally is supporting a Russian opposition to Putin leader Alexei Navalny, which is super scary because I don't want Panarin to get assassinated. You'll see me cry. And he's openly supporting Putin's biggest opposition. Um, that's frightening because it's not like Russians are known for like their mercy. So hopefully nothing happens to him. But I just thought that that was interesting. I mean, Don, would you be afraid of Putin if you were a Russian nationalist playing in in uh, in America? 
I mean, I would. It would be in the back of my mind. Yeah, I feel like I would not. Uh, as good of a person as this makes Panarin, because Putin is is a real scumbag shithole, right? There's just certain risks that you just maybe don't take. <laughs> That's probably mm-hmm. one that I don't take. I got to be honest. I probably am just like, okay, yeah, we'll just leave that one alone. We'll leave that stone unturned. Um, for those of you who are not uh, NHL fans, I have a list of games here uh, for you guys if you want to try and get into the NHL uh, that you should watch over the coming days. So as you guys are listening today on Friday, uh, make sure that you guys tune in to these games tonight. Uh, we got the Rangers uh, and the Pens. Uh, Rangers Penguins one of the biggest rivalries going back to to the early 2000s and really even the mid 90s these teams have hated each other um, so this would be a perfect opportunity for you guys to jump in watch that one watch the hatred uh, that'll be a good game to watch another perfect game on Friday is the Oilers and the Maple Leafs Connor McDavid is the best hockey player that I have ever seen with my two own eyes. I was not born to watch Gretzky play. Sidney is maybe the most decorated player, but as far as just talent, Connor McDavid is in a in another stratosphere. You guys have to watch. It is like watching Mike Trout play baseball. We had that discussion the other day of how so, sensational he is. What you're really saying is it's like watching LeBron James play that play basketball. Like yeah. It's not yeah, like this is exactly this is not like your LeBron James. He's not like LeBron. Yeah, he's not as good. He's not. He's not because I am rational enough to know that he is not the greatest player of all time because that's Wayne Gretzky, period. There's no argument. Just like the greatest player of all time in the NBA is Michael Jordan, period. There's no argument. Now, is McDavid the second best player of all time? Probably. So you know what? Actually, I'll agree. I will agree for sure that McTavid oh, is I love it. You LeBron. talked yourself right into it. I did talk myself right into it. You, For those of you watching, you'll see my cogs turning in my brain, and it's just like, all right, decent analogy. Uh, but no, seriously, watch McDavid, what he does is special. Not to mention the Leafs are one of the deepest teams in the league. Well, the Oilers also have Leon Dreisaitl. Ever heard of him? Most of you probably haven't, but he's phenomenal too. Two top five players in the league, both on the Oilers. They're super exciting. The Leafs, Mitch Marner, um, Torres, like they are they are so phenomenally deep. Austin Matthews, one of the best Americans in the league. Um, you guys have to watch that Oilers-Leafs one. Flyers-Bruins, same thing. This is a for sure playoff matchup. These two teams will play in the playoffs. I'd almost be willing to bet my life on it. Um, Kevin Hazy leading leading the the Flyers. They look ridiculous. Connor Hart, um, or Carter Hart, excuse me, the their tendy over there. He's been phenomenal. I think he has a save percentage right now of like ninety five percent. That's unheard of. He for sure is going to be in Hart conversation uh, as the year goes on. Uh, and then the Bruins, you know, they've looked a lot better than I thought they would so far to start the season. They still need some help offensively, um, but. I think that's going to be an old-fashioned slugfest of a game. Uh, And then the last one on Saturday, the Knights and the Coyotes. Now, the Knights, sneakily right now, are the best team in the league. They're undefeated. They have eight points through four games, all regulation wins. They're just absolutely dominating their opponents. Um, Watch this Knights team. I promise you will enjoy. If you watch these four games and you get back to me, you're like, you know what? Hockey is just not for me. I tried it. I don't like it. Then I'll leave it alone. You'll never watch hockey again. Watch these four games. I promise you, 
you will be a lifelong hockey fan. I mean, not to mention, like, there's already been, I think, like, 35 fights through this duration of of the, the league so far. We're, like, five games in. 35 fights. Well, I say fights. Not, like, actual, like, drop-the-glove fights, but, like, at least scuffles. There's been a million so far. I'm telling you guys, sit down and watch the game. But speaking of fights, this weekend, we got a beauty of a fight. We got McGregor v. Poirier round two. GTD. I am just so thrilled for this fight. I mean, you know I'm a McGregor stand. I mean, that's my yes. guy. I am so amped for this one. I need your prediction on what's going to happen in this fight, though. I mean, because all things considered, let's go through tail of the tape real quick. They are the same age. They are the same height. They are the same weight. The only difference is McGregor has a two-inch reach. There's the tail of the tape. What do you think is going to happen in this in, in the main event? We won't touch on the whole card because we'll that'll we'll just be here forever. Because yeah, this is actually a pretty big card. Um, but what do you think is going to happen in the main event? Well, like first off, I'm I'm ignorant to you said Poirier, like Poirier. Like I'm I'm literally ignorant to the guy. I didn't even watch the first one to be honest. But I am not ignorant to Conor McGregor. And I, in, in in this instance, I have to take Connor. Like I know he's been out of the you know out of the octagon for a little bit. Something tells me he's not stopped training though. Like I feel like that's just part of his blood at this point. Like it is who he is. Um, so I still think make you know great top top notch shape. If I had to, if I had to guess, especially for a fight that's in you know the next week, so I'm going to take McGregor in this. You know, with you letting me know, same age, same same weight, uh, and I'm going to guess that McGregor won the first go round. Um. So yeah, I don't think anything's telling me an ignorant man to to go away from him. I don't think anything changes. Well, the one thing that should be scary for uh, Poirier is McGregor has said multiple times since his return. So he fought Cowboy Cerrone, one of the most decorated UFC fighters of all time, last year, right? Mm -hmm. Knocked him out in the first round. First 30 seconds, nothing but shoulders to the teeth. Knocked him out, okay? So this is now McGregor's second fight back in the UFC after his boxing hiatus, whatever you want to make of that. Stupid, but whatever. He's back. He has said multiple times that he is in the best shape of his life and that he would knock out the the McGregor version that beat Poirier the first time. Now, Poirier probably knocks out his prior version too just because that's what happens fighters develop. But McGregor looks so lean and so in such good shape. This fight is over in the first two rounds for sure. Mark it down 100% this fight is over. Over before it starts. Really, the biggest thing to talk about here is, do you think the potential for Habib to fight McGregor, well, we'll just say, is the potential for Habib to come back and fight the winner of this fight greater if McGregor wins or if Poirier wins? Well, number one thing is, no matter which way it goes, I sure as hell hope that Habib does. Secondly, I mean, I think it's McGregor. I think it's just a bigger headline. I think oh, yeah. it gives, think it gives a big, 
just hey, you know what? If I'm going to come back and make make it worthwhile, this is the fight that does it. Yeah. Well, so to kind of springboard into this conversation, I should have mentioned this before. Habib has said, if the the winner of the main event or well, whoever he said, if I am wowed by the main event at UFC 257, I will consider a return. Okay. Logic tells me that he is hoping that McGregor wins huge, like quickly. Because if McGregor dominates this fight, the headlines immediately after the fight are going to read, can McGregor beat Habib? For sure. I will bet you $100 this very second that if McGregor wins this fight, that is the first headline published. For sure. Why? Because that would dominate clicks. And if that's dominating clicks... Imagine what the what the uh, what they would do with actual pay per views. Like that would break every streaming record ever. Yeah, especially after Habib's ass fight. Like yeah. people's naming him the best pound for pound fighter in the world. They're wanting to tune in and be like, okay, let's see it. Like let's right. see the fight. It's probably, I mean, the Diaz fights were great. Uh, everyone hyped up the Cowboy fight. That was kind of disappointing, but. Uh, this is the fight I think they're like, okay, does uh, Habib establish himself as no joke the best pound-for-pound fighter in the world, or does McGregor still have it in him? Like, yeah. it's one of those two things, and I think the Habib's actually already training. I think he's already think on so? this shit. Yeah, I really do. I think, he, I, think, I think he is already in the mindset of whatever happens, I'm having one more fight. Well, his brother actually just fought, I think, on Tuesday on a fight night. So he is actually in, I think it's what, Abu Dhabi or whatever it is, mm-hmm. wherever Fight Island is. Habib is at Fight Island right now. So I think he's going to have a first first row view of this fight, making sure that he, he sees any weakness that he can find. Because I'll well, say this, if if McGregor does get this next fight, He's still going to do some jawing at him, but he's not going to write a check with his mouth again that his ass can't cash. That's yeah. a fact. So he's going to be more precise with what he says and not try to get into his head so much. He's just going to focus on fighting. Because if there's one fighter that can beat Habib in the in in this weight class, in, in the lightweight division, it, it's going to be McGregor. I mean, that's yeah. it. Because he's one of the – like. I am a McGregor stan, this is true, but I love the sport, right? I'm a big UFC guy. He's one of the best strikers of all time. Not not in his weight class, ever, any class, period. Now, Habib is a decent striker, but when you mention Habib's name, it's not for his striking ability. It is strictly for his grappling. He's oh, the yeah. best wrestler to ever live. So the, the clash of styles make that fight super interesting not to mention the egos attached to the two so i hope i hope habib does have a front row seat and i hope mcgregor wins and as soon as he wins he just gets up turns around stares to be right in the eyes and i just hope it's one of them things that you know they don't have to say a word the look they give each other you know you're going to have a fight on your hands right yeah six eight two two years six eight months two years like you know you're going to get to watch it just by that look Oh yeah, there's. It's an old saying. What's understood doesn't need to be said. Yeah. If they do look at each other like that, bro, we're gonna be up at Townie watching these fights. 
open invite for you all to to join up at Townsend Bar and Grill. I will be purchasing the fights. We'll be watching them up there. We're going to put on a big event. Um, we got a birthday party up there, too, so we're going to pack the place out. Watch UFC 257. Watch some college basketball. Drink some beer. Eat some wings. It's going to be a beautiful time. If if that happens and they share that moment, you will see me have the biggest goosebump reaction of all time. I'll have I'll have to go Facebook Live or something. Like I'll just oh man, I'm getting excited about it. I'm <laughs> amped for this fight. That, like no joke, I'm like the biggest McGregor stand of all time. Like almost nerd levels. Well, no, Robbie Fox is the biggest McGregor stand. He he is more than me for sure. Um, but I mean the biggest fights of the weekend are coming on Sunday. And that's the fight for the right to punch your ticket to the Super Bowl. We're going to start with the early game. The NFC goes first this year. That's that's strange. Usually they don't. We got the we got the Bucks. I told you it's it's because it's because everyone's anticipating the AFC game this year. I think that's fair actually. If Mahomes plays that's fair. But let's let's jump into this Bucks Packers before we get too long-winded on that one. We got the Bucks going to Green Bay in Lambeau to play the Red Hot Packers, hottest team in the league. Yep. The Bucks potentially are now without Antonio Brown, who is now listed as questionable. Outside of that, I think that was the only person that was listed on their injury report this week of relevance. So, both teams relatively healthy. Ooh, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin actually also listed questionable. Mm. Rumor is they're going to play, though. Like, there's no no real speculation there. The one that I was reading the speculation on was Antonio Brown. Yeah, I think they all play. You think so? Yeah. I don't think it really makes that big of a difference if A.B. plays or not. A little more depth might help them spread out the Packers a little bit, but I don't think that's a make-or-break loss. Now, Mike Evans? Mike Evans would be uh, – Devastating loss for this Bucks offense. Like that, they'd be they'd be tough pill to swallow for sure. But I don't know. I mean, what what? Not but not who who are you expecting to win? Let's let's not get into that yet. What matchup in this game positionally are you looking forward to the most? An actual matchup because like if if you really want my. Like what I cannot wait to see. It's just, it's just. I hope there's points on points, and I hope we see a Brady and and Rogers duel back and forth. Literally, I top you. Can you top me again? Like yeah. I know that's not an actual matchup. No, that's it. That's perfect. Yeah, that's. I but mean, it is. But it's one of them things. Like you know, when a quarterback leads an offense down the field, punches one in. You know, there's that sort of you know swagger about him that he goes back to the sideline and he's like. I want to see him do it. Yeah. Well, it's like that, not to bring Cam up in this situation, but remember when he was with the Panthers, and I, I don't know who they were playing, I think the Giants, they go down and they score a late touchdown, and Cam has his little towel over his head, and he's like, all right, yeah. and go puts his helmet on and does the same thing. I think it's kind of the same thing there. Like, I, I agree. I think that's going to be very intriguing. We got the uh, – it is funny that we got kind of the old guns in the mm-hmm. in the NFC, and you got the young guns in the uh, in the AFC. That, that's always interesting to me. Like the just the difference in like the ages from one game to the other is is wild. Yep. Um, the matchup that I'm most interested to see actually is going to be Devonte Adams against this Buck secondary because the Buck secondary is not breathtaking by any means, and he dominated. 
absolutely dominated Jalen Ramsey last week. Right. Like Devontae Adams put up an incredible stat line and just like, oh yeah, by the way, it was against the best corner in the league this year. <laughs> like, what's he gonna do to this Bucks defense? Oh, I think oh, I think he's gonna leave Mike Edwards out of Kentucky laying on his ass a few times. <laughs> I think um I don't know. I, I, I'm gonna hate to see it, I think. I think it's gonna be I'm gonna feel bad for him. You think it's gonna be that disrespectful? I think it's gonna be bad. <laughs> who who did uh, who did Adams put three touchdowns and like two hundred and some yards on this year? Uh, remember, you remember that one game? He had like fifty some fantasy points. I forget who that is against. So, uh, let's pull up his game log real quick. Oh, was it against the Titans when he had one forty-two and three touchdowns? That's disgusting. I don't know that. Well, it may, yeah, it may have been actually. Yeah. It was, yeah. The the that would have been week sixteen. I can swear he had, yeah. So anyway, yeah. I'm 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 honestly now the touchdowns may not be there, but I'm expecting Devontae Adams to to go close to one fifty this week. One fifty. One fifteen a touchdown is what I'm is what I'm honestly expecting. Like, okay, so I was gonna say we'll put the over at one thirty five, but that that means you're automatically taking the over. So, so yeah. let's get yeah. spicy. Yeah, one sixty five. Oh no, I'm under that. It's only an extra fifteen yards. His his, his highest on year is one ninety six. It follows that up by one seventy three. Like I don't know, he's been great this year, but you're talking. You get up one fifty, man. I'm talking. 150 is amazing. Receiving. That's all, yeah, that's an all-time performance. Well, he had 173 against the 49ers. I mean, mm-hmm. and that's against a good defense. I mean, it, it's not out of the realm of possibility. I mean, but here's the thing, though. They've already played Tampa Bay once this year. He only went for six for 61, no touchdowns. So that's something to actually watch. Yeah, but they also got their brakes beat off by Tampa, and they're playing like a completely different ball team at this point yeah. than they were then. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, six. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's not great. Six out of ten targets is not not the best. You look at when when Devontae Adams puts up a big stat line, he's efficient, right? Seven of eight targets, something like that, like one, one missed opportunity. Mm-hmm. When he puts up a stinker, you're looking at like – Five or six, either a drops or overthrows or deflections or like that. So, like, that's something to keep an eye on. I think that might be stating the obvious because it's most receivers are like that. But when he gets when he gets a, a healthy workload, he puts up some big yeah. big numbers. I actually, yeah. I would say yeah. over on the one sixty five. Yeah. If I had to guess though, this week I'm going to say he puts up a similar yardage to the Tennessee game. I'm going to say he's anywhere between one forty one fifty. Yeah, I just don't like. The one thing that that I think is scary is I thought that the, the Packers offensive line was going to have enough issues with Donald last week that it would open up things for Leonard Floyd, and that Rams defense could attack Aaron Rodgers a little bit. Well, a banged-up Packers offensive line basically held their own all game against the best defense in the league. What are they going to do to this average defense? That 
that would scare me as a Bucks fan. And objectively, I want Brady to win. Like I want him to to win the Super Bowl. He's the only remaining person that I have any bit of of like for. Like I hate Aaron Rodgers. I hate Josh Allen and the Bills for sure. I hate Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. So I have to root for Brady. But my brain is telling me the Packers are going to win this game going away. Like, yeah. I think that this might be a bigger blowout, which might end up being a detriment to them because not having a close playoff game could come back to hurt them in the Super Bowl. But I, I will, I'll say it. I think the Packers are going to the Super Bowl. They will be your NFC representative. What about you? Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm going to take the Packers. You know, I, I probably have not been as confident in a team like the Packers going to the Super Bowl as I have, uh, you know, of course, the Brady the Brady Patriots team was, was, was one. But this isn't – Bill Belichick's not on the sideline over there. It's and Bruce Arians. He doesn't have all the – I don't know, there was something about those Patriots teams that you just knew. You, It's going to take a damn war to beat this team. Well, between, um, between Bill and Brady, there was nothing that a defense could do that one of them hasn't seen before. Yeah. Right? So – and here's the thing, and, man, I'm confident. I really am confident in Green Bay. But when you have Tom Brady as your opposing quarterback, it's untelling what can go on. So I could be dead wrong. We we sit here two, next Tuesday, I'll, and I could be dead wrong. But going back to him, you talk about Devontae Adams versus the secondary. I'm going to even uh, – Break it down to specifics in that secondary and say Carlton Davis, the one that literally held Michael Thomas, got the credit for having Michael Thomas to no receptions. I, and he talked all kinds of shit after it was over. Literally talked all kinds of shit. And we seen we seen last week, you know, Ramsey and, and Adams going at it before the game. So I don't think for a second, don't think for a second, Davis is going to come in this game with the chip on his shoulder. I think he's going to start drawing Adams pregame. And I think Adam's going to give it right back to him. And I think yeah. the heat of the moment right there is going to create, hey, let's see it. I want to see I, it. I do. I actually, I actually agree. I think this game gets chippy. Right. I think that these teams sneakily don't like each other. I I 100% agree. But but you're in agreement that the Packers win this yeah. game? Yeah. If I, I mean, if I'm laying my own money down, I have to, I have to take the Packers. Yeah, for sure. I, I absolutely agree. I mean, I, as much as I don't want to bet against Tom Brady – I think I'm going to have to. Uh, at least money line spread. That's a different story. We'll get into that in a little bit. Um, all right. Let's move on to the AFC now. Uh, we, we got done talking about the AARP Classic at, at 3 o'clock. Now at 6 o'clock, you got the – what even do you want to call it? We'll call this Chippendales. You got the, the two young stallions, Josh Allen against Patrick Mahomes. Yep. Um, I, I honestly don't know what to expect. Now there's – is potential for a little bit of a uh, a rainy day here. I don't know who that favors, honestly. I really don't because neither of these teams really impress me running the football. I'd say that this favors the Bills a little bit more strictly because their offensive line, to me, is a little bit better. Now, the one thing that we have to bring up is Patrick Mahomes going to play. He practiced all week. I don't know if he's going to be ready to play. I mean, that just that seems this man was unconscious. Well, I just tell you, there's a lot of fishy shit that goes on in these locker rooms behind closed doors, and I think this weekend's going to present another act of it. 
I don't care if he's ready to play or not. In reality, the man's going to be on the field. It's just what's going to happen, dude. It don't matter what they have to say, who they got to pay. He's playing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that... I definitely think that's fishy. And and if if he doesn't play, Chad Henney just does not have what it takes to outduel Josh Allen. He, he just doesn't. That does not matter. There's no argument that you can make to convince me that Chad Henney would get it done for the Chiefs. There just isn't. But let's Insane. assume let's yeah, let's assume that Patrick Mahomes is right. Really... I'm gonna assume that Patrick yeah. is gonna play. I have to go with the Chiefs, unfortunately, as much as I hate it. I, I think that they just win the game. I, especially now we're seeing Cole Beasley and Stephon Diggs on the injury report for for the Bills. Not to mention yeah. Zach Moss, your better running back is out. Um and then defensively, you got Vernon Butler, your starting defensive tackle, who's listed as questionable. Now, granted, I, I'd be shocked if any of those guys don't play just because of, of the the circumstance of the moment, right? Mm-hmm. But playing hurt against the Chiefs, who have been the maybe the most dominant football team over the course of the past two years, probably is not going to yield a great result. I mean, just let's just be honest. So, under the assumption that Patty Mahomes plays, which I'd be shocked if he doesn't, just because exactly like what you said, I I don't see how it's possible for him to play. But I'd be surprised if he doesn't play. I don't I don't see how you bet against the Chiefs here. I just don't. Well, it's hard, but let me tell you, I'm gonna grit my teeth and do it because I truly, I truly do believe the coach of the year. And the rising star that Josh Allen is, add to their resume. And it might not be a Super Bowl win, but it will be a Super Bowl appearance. I truly do believe that. Um, the Chiefs, you know, we talked about what the kind of kind of the adversity they're facing this week. And let's say Mahomes does trot out there. Mahomes is Mahomes. He's going to make plays. They're going to be pretty efficient, no matter what. Um, I, I mean, I don't see really a way that you're really going to slow this Chiefs offense down. And I mean, Andy Reid behind it is the mastermind. It's just one of them things. It's a scary combination to go up against, but I think Sean McDermott, uh, Josh Allen and, and Stephon Diggs on the opposite side is also scary. Um, and I think the momentum they've carried into this postseason. And as good as they've been playing, especially knocking off a Ravens team last week that we honestly was so confident was going to win that ball game. That's kind of what has swayed my opinion on this one. They kind of shut me up and told me, you know, you thought the Ravens yeah. had it figured out and you thought they were going to knock us off. No, no, it, it didn't happen. So I, I'll credit to them. I'm rolling with them. I have to roll with the Bills to the Super Bowl. And in a year to where it, all hell has broke loose and to everything has been weird and the Bills had their first home playoff game in years and they won it, they moved to the divisional round, they win it, they're in the conference final now and I think the opportunity is to be seized and I think it will be by Josh Allen and the Bills. So they, I have to pick them and I might regret it later, but my heart's telling me to. I, I mean, that's a good argument. I just... Betting against Patrick Mahomes is almost like, oh, I'm not going to say what I, what I just thought. About 
It's uh, almost like betting against Brady back well, in the day. Like well, it just doesn't is, seem like it's gonna give you a lot of payout. You you're know what right. I mean? You're right. But at the same time, I would rather bet against Mahomes why he's hurt than when he's completely healthy. Okay, that's the time. absolutely that's very fair. That's for sure fair. I will say the Chiefs defense did not exactly impress me last week against the Browns. And the Bills offense is a lot better than the Bills' offense is a lot better than the Browns' offense. Excuse me. Sorry, I got yeah. minced up there for a second. In, so in like, the passing game. Yeah, well, for sure, yeah. Passing game, yeah. Not I mean, the you, you're looking at total offense. Honestly, Cleveland should have beat the Chiefs last week just because they had their ground game established. Patrick Mahomes goes out. It should have been ball game, honestly. And, you know, and, I, and you talk about the touchdown that literally got turned into a touchback. Like, it was yeah. the – anyway – no, for sure. Yeah, the Chiefs definitely don't look like they're unbeatable. Strictly on principle, I'm not going to bet against Patrick Mahomes. As much as it sucks, that he, I'm probably going to see him go to another Super Bowl. I'd like to see him lose a Super Bowl for sure because I hate his his stupid fiance and his stupid brother. They're the most annoying people on the internet. Just absolutely obnoxious. So it's going to pain me. Oh, and then to see Travis Kelsey cry after a Super Bowl, mwah, chef's kiss. Mwah. That's going to be beautiful too. Um, all right, so before we get into our picks for against the spread for the weekend, uh, let's jump into some breaking news in the NFL. We kind of want to get, obviously, those are the most important um, topics being Championship Sunday. But there are still some storylines floating around, most notably for us, you in particular. Um, the Eagles hire uh how do you i'm gonna say sirianni right that's how you yeah. pronounce it yeah, yeah sirianni uh the former colts offensive coordinator um now i've from everything that i've read this this leans to carson wentz coming back as the starter in mm-hmm. yeah. philly that's crazy yeah i think we are and i really do think that one of the things they liked was Sirianni's three-year tenure under Rock, literally just the experience that Rock gives him and the background that Rock comes from with Carson Wentz. I think that's one of those things that that played a role in this hiring. Not well, to mention, like Sirianni has proven his worth in the NFL. Like, so for sure, I'm not saying that it's a bad hire for sure. But one of the things that I think they were maybe interested in too is. If you look, if he's been with the Colts for three years, that means he has had three different starting quarterbacks in his system. Yeah. Luck, Jacoby, uh, Rivers. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. So mm-hmm. maybe that's maybe that's one of the reasons why they did hire him is he can handle a revolving door at quarterback and still give you some success. And, I, so and another thing was another thing was I think uh, they had the confidence that he could actually build the coaching, the ideal coaching staff that they wanted around him. Like he has that many, you know, networking connections to, to bring the guys they wanted in as the OCs, the DCs, things of that nature. Too. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we'll, we'll just keep it on the same, in the same note. We'll get the coaching uh, out of the way real quick. Hugh Jackson is actually rumored to um, Pittsburgh for uh, their vacant offensive coordinator job. Now, a couple of my, my high school buddies, uh, they were saying that, like, this just doesn't make sense. This is going to be a bad hire. They hope that it happens. As Bengals fans, they want Hugh Jackson there. And I said, well, not so fast, my friends. Like, how quickly we forget 
that Hugh Jackson had one of the best offenses in the whole league when he was with the Bengals. Yep. Okay. Some guys just aren't head coaches. That we we honestly need to like make just make that a banner. Because we say that all the time. Because people or shirts. Hey, we'll sell. Shirt. We'll sell. Some guys are not head coaches. They can know one side of the football in and out, but they have no game management sense. They have no operational sense, and they have no knowledge of the other side of the football, which is not really fair to say because every coach has to know the other side of the football. But that's beside the point. But I think that this makes Pittsburgh scary again. Now Tomlin can go back to dictating the defensive side of the football, right? The defense is going to be the defense. I expect some things to get right over the offseason. The defense will be fine. Now on offense, you have a new philosophy to come into. Big Ben is maybe done, but now bringing Hugh Jackson in, you're like, whoa, maybe this will revitalize him a little bit because Andy Dalton was a top 5 to 10 QB with Hugh Jackson. People forget that. Like I said, people forget that that Bengals offense under Hugh Jackson was like good, scary good. For a three-year stint. Right. So, I don't know. I mean, do you think that, that that makes them scary again offensively? I mean, they do have a lot of names to re-sign, most notably Juju and Connor. But We're talking about scary, though. I think – I don't know, man. I think Pittsburgh is going to find themselves in not an actual rebuild, but in an offensive reformation. Okay, yeah, that's fair. That's um, a good way to put it. I think that that when they get that figured out, I think that's what's going to kind of lead to. Now, Hugh Jackson, I think, would actually kind of uplift that, oh. kind of get the jump started a little bit. Because, right. yeah, like you said, make no mistake about it. I think Hugh Jackson is a great offensive mind. I do. Oh, 100%. I agree. And one of the new weapons that he's going to have is uh, Dwayne Haskins, former Washington football team quarterback, uh, taking his talents to the Steel City. Uh, they signed Haskins. I believe it was a three-year deal. Specifics on the deal have not been released yet, at least that I've seen. Mm. But nonetheless, Dwayne Haskins to Pittsburgh. I think that kind of kind of gives you an idea that being might be on the way out, whether it be this offseason off or next. And that, by the way, I mean, let's just clear the air. I think the Haskins signing is more of a compete in camp type of signing. And if oh, you yeah. prove and if you prove it, then we'll bring you. You know, we'll really consider you. Oh, for but. sure. I, yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, but yeah, that'll do it for uh for the NFL storylines. Let's get in. We're just gonna do we're gonna make both of these locks this week. All right. So we're gonna pick both games against the spread. Both are locks, they're both worth four four points apiece. Sound good? Yep. This will bump, but that might that way the winner is either me and you. Cheek doesn't have a chance anymore. So the winner is me or you for the Brovada challenge. That's how that both makes lines. it better. <laughs> makes it better. I think the last time that I checked, both lines were at three and a half. Three and a half. Okay. Yeah. Let me double check it though. FanDuel is saying three. Now Bovada may have it three now. I have three for the Kansas City and Buffalo game. And then I have three for the Packers. So I guess mm-hmm. the lines have both moved to uh, three now. So. Oh, man. Big thing is to spread in these games fucking sucks. Um, what were you doing in the NFC first? Well, I mean, whichever one. You got to pick both of them anyway, so you might as well just say them both. 
You want me to go first? Because I'm pretty confident. Yeah, go, first. go first. As much as I don't like to bet against Tom Brady, only laying three points with the Packers at home in Lambeau, in the cold, on a snowy, potentially snowy Sunday afternoon in Green Bay, Wisconsin. I'm laying the three points with the Packers. I have to. I feel like that feels like th- like free money. Lock that up for me. Packers, minus three. Go, Pack, go. You're back to the Super Bowl. Rodgers, the MVP, going to be the first MVP to win the Super Bowl. Mark it down. In the AFC, the fact that it is only a field goal makes me also pick the Chiefs. If it was three and a half, I would pick the Bills for sure because I think this comes down to a late field goal by Harrison Butker. But just three points, I'm taking the Chiefs because that means the the game-winning field goal gives me a push. Give me the Chiefs. Minus three at home. You get the two one seeds, a rematch of Super Bowl one. Uh, Packers Chiefs is my Super Bowl. I'm taking them both to cover. Yeah, and honestly, I'm going to have to take the Packers minus three. Like, it's just what's going to have to happen. And you know for a fact I'm taking the Bills plus three if, you know, if I had a money line. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm Packers minus three, Bills plus three. I'm, you know, one favorite, one underdog. I'm riding with it. That's my piece. I love it. It usually goes that one home team will win and one away team will win, too. Have you ever noticed that? Like, very rarely do yeah. both home teams win. I think that's only happened a few times in recent memory. Like, yeah, because the Eagles won on the road, and then the Pats won at home. And the next year, it was the Pats winning at home again, and the the Rams were on the road. Like it's yeah, it's it's wild how that always works, but seems to be that it's a trend. So you you're probably right more so than me because I picked two home teams, but. Whatever that may be the case. Guys, make sure you come up to the Townsend Bar and Grill. Uh, watch the McGregor fight with us on Saturday. We're going to have a big event up there. Like I said, PPV is on the Wolfpack. We're going to get that going up there. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really excited for it. Uh, hopefully, you guys can come up there and pack the place out. Uh, we'll have it going on three or four TVs. Uh, I'll probably end up bringing the projector up there, too. We'll have just a great time. And then on Sunday, we'll be up there watching the conference championship games. This is the last true multi-game uh sunday of the season how's it man that 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 sucks to say out loud Yep, it that is. sucks to say out loud but it's going to be a great time up at townie make sure you come and see us there's drink specials food specials but most importantly there's great times every single time you're up there so make sure you guys come up and visit us that's at the corner of oak brook road and pleasant valley uh make sure to tell them that the wolf pack sent you um and with that, guys, I mean, we, Don, you got anything else you need to add there, bub? I do not. All right, guys, that'll wrap us up. Make sure you tune in next week. We'll give you a live reaction on Monday uh, to what we're looking at or what happened this past weekend. We'll give you any breaking news in the sports world. Uh, but with that, we'll let you go. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, as always, we appreciate the support, and we will catch you next time. Peace. Peace. 
Well, in the merry month of May, no, from me home, I started, left the girls and two were nearly broken hearted, saluted father dear, kissed me darling mother, drank a pint of beer, me grief and tears, the smothered enough to reap the corn and leaf, for I was born, God is out the cloud, the banished ghost and goblets, a brand new pair of brows to rock, the love of the bogs and fighting all the dogs on the rocky roads, a double of one to three for five, up to Harrington, or down the rocky road, all the ways to double and make for lolly In Mullingar at night I rested them so weary, started by the light next morning, late and dairy, took the drop of the pure to keep me heart and shrink, and that's the paddy's cure, when there is up for drinking to hear the last smile, laughing all the while, at me curious style to touch a heart above, and he asked me, was I hired in wages I required to lie, was almost tired of the rocky road, to double and one to three for five, hunt to hair and turn them down the rocky road, and all the way to double and make for lolly in double and next arrived, I thought it such a pity to be so soon in the pride of you, a perfect city, then I took a stroll, all among the quality of the little stowel, in the neat locality, something crossed me mind, when I looked behind the bundle, could I find upon me stick, a water in the choir, and after the rogue, sat me con the sprog, it wasn't much in bower, on the rocky road, to double and one to three for five, hunt the hair, and turn and down the rocky road, and all the ways to double and make for lolly from there I got away, my spirits never fail, and landed on the cage, just as the ship was sailing, captain at me road. Said that old room hardy when I jumped aboard a cap and fell for paddy Down among the pigs, did some hearty rigs and paid some hearty jigs The water round me bubbling when the holly head I wished myself was dead or better far instead On the rocky road to double and one to three for five Up to hell and turn her down the rocky road All the ways to double and make for lolly The boys of Liverpool will when we safely landed Call myself the fool, I could no longer stand it Blood began to boil, temper I was new as poor all there in Zile they began abusing her army, so else as I'm a shillelagh, I let fly, call my boys were by, and so I was a howling will below it, hooray, the joy and the affray, quickly clear the way, for the rocky road, to double and one to three for five, hunt the hare and turn her down the rocky road, and all the ways to double and make for the